Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes, a 30-year Wall Street analyst that's had to go underground, take on a secret identity in order to provide you with my candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. Uh, you've seen my face on TV, you've seen me quoted in the news, but my bosses would never allow my unfiltered view on the air, so I disguise my voice and they'll never know. This week we're looking at the July 29, 2011 edition of the small and mid-cap edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. And before we get any farther, I'd like to introduce my very special guest who joined us uh, last time on the show, uh, directly from Wall Street, Mr. Mo Mentum. Mo, welcome back to the show. Thanks a lot, Val. It's good to be here. Uh, I want to tell you, we had a, a lot of interesting commentary about your visit um, last time, and evidently the show is vastly better with you on it. And so uh, I'd like to encourage you to try to stop by more often. We have uh, free coffee and uh, an array of soda uh, available for you, or pop, depending on. So I want you to give that some thought. And the clear liquid in your glass? Uh, that's vodka, and uh, uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. The caveats, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a guarantee. And uh, importantly, uh, this is after hours, just a hobby. So while during the week for paying customers, we do a lot of very careful work reviewing filings, reviewing transcripts, looking at very careful models and valuation work. We do none of that here on the show. Uh, also, uh, as you've noticed, uh, Mo, I am drinking, and uh, but you're not, so thankfully you can be the voice of reason. And finally, um, I, I also, and my lawyer says I need to tell you this, I may not have your interests in mind. So all my comments on here may be entirely, uh, you know, meant to try to trick you into doing the opposite of what's actually in your best interest. So keep that in mind as well. I think that should cover everything. Sounds that way. Do you have any caveats, uh, Mo? No? Okay. Well, <clears throat> what, what we want to do this week is I've gone through very carefully every page in the small and mid-cap edition of this week's Value Line Investment Survey. And after doing the main survey for about five years, uh, we've started doing the small and mid-cap here in 2011, in part because uh, there's a lot of names in here that are just uh, not as well known. And so the opportunity to discover some proprietary knowledge is way higher, in my opinion. And so uh, we find it a good place to fish. And so I'm going to take a couple ideas out of, out of this uh, edition this week. And, Mo, what I'm hoping, again, like last uh, show, is that um, I'm going to pitch a couple names to you and then uh, – you know, maybe you have some thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners as well, and, and, and that way, you know, they're really getting their money's worth, which is, you know, free. So um, so three great ideas this week. I'm going to go alphabetically. I don't have any page numbers, so uh, I'll just apologize if you like page numbers. <clears throat> but first up this week, Contango Oil and Gas, ticker MCF, which is Pretty cool because in the energy business, that stands for uh, thousands of cubic feet in the gas business. Contango is a, uh, according to Value Line, they're in the exploration, development, production, and acquisition of natural gas 
business primarily offshore in the Gulf of Mexico. Now you're thinking, didn't we shut down the Gulf of Mexico? And honestly, that's what I thought. I thought we just shut down the companies in the Gulf yeah. of Mexico, not the Gulf itself. Well said, Mo, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, but this company, and I haven't done any work here. I'm just reading value line. But they did put up $55 million of sales in the third quarter, so they must be doing something. And they just sold all of their land-based assets in Texas, so now they're entirely offshore. And we have a thesis here in the shop about offshore, which is that's where the oil is now. Everybody's drilled on land. There's no oil on land, or they don't want you to look for it. So increasingly, there's technology to go out deep, and I think the last couple of big new discoveries have been in deeper water. And, uh, and so, you know, the Gulf has been well-mined, but it's more likely that they're selling their land-based properties because they have the view that there's more oil in the water now than on the land. I don't want to get too off into some crazy theories, but... 70% of the earth is uh, covered with water. That's the place they've, uh, you know, drilled the least. So the idea would be that's probably where there's a bunch of oil, and these guys are entirely offshore now. Um, the first thing I'm really attracted to is their valuation. They're at about a 5% discount to the market PE, about 17 times earnings. Um, last couple years, again, rising energy prices. The returns on capital have been 20, 18, 13, which is pretty good. Uh, this year, they're putting up better earnings than last year, so the return on capital is apt to be even higher this year. Um, as a result of that type of earnings path, they've had, you know, some pretty rapid growth in uh, equity, which is good. They, you know, they were uh, $20 million in equity eight years ago. Now they're nearly $400 million, so that's pretty stable. <clears throat> and they have no debt, so I like that. Um, the other thesis here would be simply that we're in the a period of the ascension of natural gas. So there's a lot of natural gas here in America. There's lots of coal that can be turned into gas. And uh, I think a trend is going to be increasing market share of fossil fuels will be in natural gas and coal because they're domestic. And increasingly, oil might be viewed as funding the enemy. And I think that over the next 20 years, you're going to see nat gas gain share. It's also cheaper amazingly, because of the, uh, you know, current myriad of distribution pipelines. We don't really have a national marketplace for natural gas, and that's going to be changing over the next 10 or 20 years as well. So I, I like those elements, and I like the valuation, and I think there's a, a pretty safe bet that um, fossil fuels are going to be in our future for a long time. Even if you built all the wind that you could and all the solar that you could, um, you're still going to have a vehicle, fleets of vehicles that need to run on natural gas, and so I like the stability of that. And I think the stock, uh, over the next couple of years, if energy prices stay good, if the economy starts to come back around the world, and there was some good jobs growth numbers today, and I think that uh, you know we are apt to continue to be in a recovery, then energy use is going to grow, natural gas prices may tend up, and this stock could get a little bit of a multiple, and I'd expect to you know earn a a 20% return over the next couple of years on Contango oil and gas. So that's my pitch, Mo. I don't know. Uh... Val, let me ask you a question. I'm, yeah. I'm not that familiar with small cap names. You are. That's never been my expertise. So I'm a little out of my depth here. Yeah. That was a pun. Bum, bum. Yeah. 
Um, is that oil you're going to say? I like the fact that they have low overhead, but eight employees. Yeah. Now you. They you, wear a lot of hats. Yeah, I guess they wear a lot of hats. But now you work with these smaller companies. Is that unusual, or is that the structure of this kind of an industry? That was just. That's that's something that I just caught my eye. On the other hand, those eight employees own twenty four percent of the stock. Yeah. And I like owning companies where management has a real vested interest that's aligned with my vested interest. Yeah. So I like that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah. But you tell me, is that an unusually unusual structure for this industry or for a small cap name? Do you, have you ever invested in a Let me be completely company? honest with you, Mo. I have no idea. Okay. But we have eight employees here. The great thing is if you wanted to interview everyone in the company, you could probably do it in an hour. If I have one person here, interview each person there, yeah, it go by quickly. You know, my guess is is that um, they outsource a lot of the work in the Gulf, and you've got eight guys here that... Kind of a holding uh, company. Yeah, the, kind of the holding company. Uh, well, it strikes me as, as interesting. They also have an alternative energy company. They don't make very much uh, hay out of that on the, uh, on the industry, on the company description, but the fact that they do, who knows if that could be a wild card for them. Yeah, it could be. Let so, me just weigh in on that. You might be right. Thank you. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Interesting. Okay. So we're not getting a lot of, a lot of great comfort on that one from you. You see a little. But I already know what our other names are, so I'm going to hold my. You're going to hold out. Million, yeah. Okay. Okay. Admittedly, you know this one. Um, it was first because it was alphabetical, but probably not my favorite this week. But the thing I liked about it is the natural gas little cheaper than average, and there's nothing really sexy about that. All right, next up. Um, boy, I don't know if that was a good idea or not, Mo, but I, th I think it was okay. Yeah. Was okay. Next up, a stock I like to call Huguton Royalty Trust, ticker HGT. Now, I know even less about this than I knew about the last one, um, and part of that is because this week's value line, small and mid-cap edition, has a lot of oil-related, petroleum-related companies. And if there's one thing I'm pretty sure of, and this is true around the world, is that as much as we wish this weren't so, energy use per capita, it's going up, 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 not down, down, down. And the only way we're going to continue to see that go up is by employing more fossil fuels, unfortunately, but that's unfortunately how it is. And also nuclear, as we all know, has taken a big hit in terms of people's confidence. And so in the near term, meaning the next 10 to 20 years, um, fossil fuels are going to continue to be in the ascension. Hugo 10 is a royalty trust. So, Mo, I don't want to alarm you, but Look at the employee count. Well, that's what I like yeah. about where you're really keeping. They're <laughs> it's really not keeping that confusing. One employee, <laughs> but, but 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 even more important. I want you to read this company description because I because I, yeah. I don't know exactly what they do. Yeah, at least you know who to call if you have a question on this one. He has a telephone it's number Chairman there. Bob Simpson, Simpson. Yeah. and he's at eight seven seven two two eight five zero eight three. 
uh, if you want to give him a call. But they've got one employee. Now, just read. All right, let me, let me read. This is directly from Value Line, so I'm just directly quoting Value Line. And there'll be a quiz at the end yeah. of this to see if you know Hugoton what they Hugoton Royalty Trust operates an express trust in the U.S. XTO Energy, which we own here in the shop and got bought by uh, Exxon, I think, a year or two ago. XTO Energy has conveyed to the trust 80% net profits interest in certain predominantly gas-producing properties in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Wyoming. The trust was created to collect and distribute to unit holders monthly net profits income related to the 80% net profits interests. Net profits income received by the trust on the last business day of each month is calculated and paid by XTO Energy based on net proceeds received from the underlying properties in the prior month. Okay, now this time yeah. in English. Okay, here's my guess. And I'm not a big, uh, you know, value line summary interpreter. But I think what these guys have is an 80% interest in the profits that come off certain gas properties in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Wyoming. That means they're not really paying for anything anymore, nor do they have to do any of the work because there's one guy. But I'm going to guess that 10 years ago, 8 years ago, 6 years ago, whenever it was, due to some kind of regulatory issue with owning too many properties in one area versus a competitor or a potential acquirer or something like that, they had to divest properties so there wouldn't be any sort of oligopoly, monopoly power. This is just a guess because I've seen this before. And so they created this little firm that's independent, so it's not economically owned by XTO, but it's probably adjacent to some of the properties that they wanted. And they've got to just send the profits out to the unit holders. And at one point, all the unit holders were XTO shareholders, so they simply spun this out to XTO shareholders but now it trades on its own, and it looks like it's traded for at least eight years because the chart goes back that far. So there would probably be a period where the XTO shareholder base and this shareholder base would be the same, but over time they trade separately and they get separate shareholder bases. And they just have one guy who probably just makes sure that the check goes out. And you know what's so great about that one guy? He signs a dividend check that every year is somewhere between a buck and a half and almost $3. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what I like, Mo, That's what I like. Is that this is trading at a slight discount, but, again, that's not why I'm buying it. Why I'm buying it is there's a big number at the top of the page here that says 6.8% dividend yield because the trust has to pay out all the earnings that come into the trust, and the trust is getting 80% of the earnings off these properties, and so each year they pay it all out as a dividend, and it's a little bit volatile. So in 2010, it was a buck 55. This year, it looks like they're on a track to be maybe a little lower than that. Uh, in in 2005, it was 262. In 09, it was 73 cents. So it moves around, but it looks to me like the average might be just right where we are now, which is a buck fifty-five. So uh, you get an, a six point eight percent yield, and if you look at the bank or anywhere on the planet, you can't get six point eight percent that has the, the type of you know, let's say, not certainty, but likelihood of continuing to receive payments because 
you know, I don't know how long lived these reserves are. You'd want to do your own homework and see how much oil is left in these uh, properties. Obviously, if they run out, the profits run out. But my guess is is that these are fairly long-lived, at least over, you know, 10 or 20 years, and, uh, and that's a pretty nice yield. So that's my primary interest in this is the yield. Obviously, a company with one employee, they have uh, no debt, and they have uh, $4 million in cash, which obviously helps them pay the next uh, dividend, et cetera. And they've got um, the properties on the books. Looks like at about uh, total capital here is uh, or share equity, $125 million. So, you know, that's probably some kind of book value. I don't have any information here about the size of this property, um, and so that would be something you'd want to learn because there is a value per, you know, barrel in the ground and that that you could at least begin to have some other metrics to look at here besides the pure yield. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend this mo on the basis of the yield and the likelihood that that's a a 10 or 15 year type of payout. Val, let me ask you: You look at stocks all day long. When was the last time you saw it? any stock with a 6.8% yield? You know, um, it's not that frequent, but lately we've been looking for that. We've got some clients that want yield, and these these trusts, um, and, you know, sometimes the REITs have trusts and such that, that pay out all the earnings. And so a 7% yield, if you do the inverse, a stock trading at 14 times earnings that has to pay out all its earnings it's going to have a 7% yield, and just the inverse. 1 over 14 is your yield if you've got to pay out all the earnings. So um, it is rare, and I think that right now there's a lot of people that could use a little yield, a little cash income, and I recommend it for those types of people. It's not, a, it's not going to be capital appreciation, or if it is, it's going to be muted because clearly the trust is not generating new assets. They're not exploring. There's a, a fixed time frame to these payments, but, um, and so you need to go find out what that is, and maybe I will and bring it back to the next show, but uh, I'm going to assume you got about 10 or 15 or 20 years of uh, a volatile payment that's going to average around 6 to 7% on, on current price. Well, I think that's definitely worth kicking the tires on. The only thing, obviously, is you're not really buying a company because if you look at their assets, they don't really have any assets. They don't really have any cash on their balance sheet. So you're really right. buying a distribution vehicle, which is yeah. going to give you that yield. Yes. So there, to the extent that you can get a handle on what the longevity of that trust might be, wow, 7%? I'll take those all day long. Yeah. But so I need to do a little more homework. It's only one got a call, so that's an easy call. So we got to call Bob. Yep. I wonder if we can call him right now. Let's see if I just... I've never really done this on the show, but... Let's see if we can get Bob, maybe answer a few questions here. Just see if he's, um, will tell us how long that trust can exist or how long yeah. he, he thinks it can exist. Customer service line. On Friday, June 25th, 2010, XTO Entertainment Inc. Customer service line. Thank you. Sounds like a second wow. employee. Maybe they, wow. Let's try to get a person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to take everyone's time with this, but we've got to try to get to the bottom of this. Bob Simpson. 
just bear with us here just a moment. This is so unusual. So. That's a third, a third employee. That's a third employee. Uh, this is uh, Val Hughes and Momentum of the Value Guys in New York City. Uh, please give us a call. Thank you. Oh, my God. So, Mo, that was a completely unsuccessful call. But that's what I'd be doing if I were uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, how hard is it to make one or two telephone calls, ask a few questions for 7%? Yeah, totally worth it. Yep. Okay, uh, finally this week... And I'm going to just tell people in advance, this could be my favorite, but I'm going to wait till the end to really reveal that with certainty. It's a little stock called Monarch Casino, ticker MCRI. I own this. I've owned it for a while. And it's a pretty compelling story, in my opinion, because they have, a, I'm not going to say a monopoly. I don't want to just throw around the word monopoly all the time. But. They have a casino in Reno that's the closest to the airport, which is good because people don't want to really be traveling that much in Reno. They want to get where they're going. So they're, they're close. They're the most newly refurbished, all new stuff, and they took the recession period to do that at a time when their business was down. And they have the only air-conditioned, covered walkway to the convention center, which is also brand new. And so they're very well positioned in Reno to draw a lot of traffic because they're right between the convention center and the airport, and they're the only ones that are. Now, the other elements to this thing, it's family-controlled uh, for years and years. Um, I'm not sure how much the family owns right now. I think it's, uh, I think it's on the order of 20 25% of the stock. They have a little bit of debt, and that's only because they took out some debt to build these uh, improvements a few years ago. They're quickly paying down the debt, and by next year they'll be out of debt, and they're normally out of debt. They just take it on to do these little capital improvements. The stock is trading at 20 times earnings when you look at the top of the you know, value line, and you might say, hey, Val, that doesn't sound that cheap, and I'd have to agree with you on that, Mo, except they're at trough earnings. So back when things were cranking along, 2005, 2006, 2007, they were averaging a buck ten, buck fifteen, etc. Right now, their earnings are fifty cents, and the reason is is that uh, revenues are down from a peak of one sixty. Down last year, they were one thirty, coming in one forty this year, etc. Because we continue to be in a consumer uh, recession, and Reno is served as well by California. So a lot of people from Sacramento, San Francisco, they want to gamble, they drive to Reno or Lake Tahoe first, then Reno. And that, of course, uh, that state's been in a, a fair amount of fiscal trouble. So you've had a slowdown in the California traffic, you've had a general slowdown in the economy, discretionary spending on gambling, a lot of wives saying, hey, don't do that. But at the core, it's an addictive behavior, thousands of years of history. People are going to gamble. We don't have to wonder if it's obsolete. It isn't. And in fact, we're very close to having online poker uh, here in America. And, and, and that, that's going to just accelerate, I think, the percentage of people that gamble. And Monarch is, um, 
you know, a little uh, single property in Reno. It's trading at 10 times peak earnings, that's what I want to mention, and about five times EBITDA relative to enterprise value, which means if we bought this whole company right now, we paid, uh, there's 16 million shares, 10 bucks a share, we paid 160 million for the company, our EBIT on this thing is going to be 28 million, and let me do the math on that, 28 over 160, that is an 18% cash-on-cash yield, 5.7 times EBITDA. For long-time listeners, I'd like you to know I, I actually just did use a calculator because the math, I'm, I'm a little sleepy today. And so I have uh, a pretty compelling story from a valuation point on trough earnings, and I like the fact that it's a, an addictive behavior, and they don't have a monopoly unless you don't want to go any farther than the uh, convention center when you fly into Reno from the uh, fr fr from you know the, the rest of the country and and when you get to your uh, convention center you've just passed a really nice casino so here's hoping you come back to that they haven't had a normal period yet post recession post um, you know the uh, increase in capacity and the remodel that they did a couple of years ago so the new peak in terms of revenue is apt to be 20% higher, 30% higher, in part because they have more square footage, and, you know, drink prices go up, inflation, room rates, etc. So my guess is the next peak could be 30 40 50% higher than the past peak. And I'd say just buy this, put it away, there's no yield, wait for that next peak period, and I think you'll get a nice return. This thing, in my opinion, could be a double or a triple over the next five years, and I just, I've been holding it, I've owned it for, for three years already, and and uh, have a lot of patience to, to wait for that period out in the future. So, um, okay, I'm going to reveal it to you now, Mo. This is my favorite this week, Monarch Casino, because I think they have special, such a special niche in Reno, and it's so easy to identify the negatives over the last couple years that will be reversing out over the next few years. So, All right, Val, let me ask you a yes. question. It's been three tough years. Three tough years, that's right. Um, was 2008 the year that they did the reconstruction, and that's what that's what impacted their ability to have people in the casinos because they were they did remodeling? have a period of uh, shutting down some of the floor, and it just happened to be coincident with you know a terrible consumer recession. So I can't tell you that their revenues, you know, w would have been better in 08 without the remodel. I like to think that they simply. Um, did the remodel at a time when they would have been partially down, know, anyway. down anyway, yeah. So, so I, the, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame the remodel for that. I think that's just a recession rolling in. So are there any other drivers that, uh, or triggers that you can point to outside of a lift in the general economy that's going to have an impact on the company, or is it really absolutely, just Absolutely, Mo, absolutely. I mean, I, one word, Reno. Now, I don't hear, I'm just hearing crickets, but Reno, ladies and gentlemen, Reno is, it's, what, is it the biggest little town in the West or something like that, or the littlest big town? They have some little slogan. But here's what I like about Reno. Um, they're a little bit on a growth path, and the reason is is that people don't like to do business in California. Why? Taxes. So Reno has become, over the last 10, 15 years, the chosen location if you want to have a distribution facility that serves northern california you don't put it in california because they're a mess 
So you put it in Nevada, and Reno is pretty close to Sacramento, and Sacramento is pretty close to San Francisco. So I think that uh, one of the things Reno has going for it is it's a low-tax state relative to California and a lot of businesses. For example, I know that uh, uh, Amazon has one of their biggest facilities serving California in Reno, and, I, and there, there's a dozen of them. And so I think you're going to have a little bit of a population uh, you know, percentage gain in Reno versus other places. And so can, that that's that's not a lot, but I'll give you that one. But can you tell me that that's where that, that the local population is going to drive the revenues at a casino, or is it mostly out of town, or does it come in? And if that's the case, what am I looking for to be able to jump into this stock that you can tell me in the next six months, I think we're going to see an uptick in the economy, and that's what's going to drive this? Or is there something more specific than a general economic upturn that I'm betting on here? Well... Mo, I think that's an outstanding question. And value guys always have to deal with this. You've got a cheap stock, great. What's the catalyst? And Mo is right to point out, it's not clear what the catalyst is here. He's asking about the catalyst. And I would say a lot of times, for me, if I have a franchise that I have absolute conviction in and I have a behavior that I have conviction in, then I don't necessarily need a catalyst in the near term because the franchise value is not eroding and it's just a matter of waiting. And the reason it's so cheap is because people don't like to wait. Who likes to wait? Right. I mean, I'm sure some listeners are already turning the show off. They don't even want to wait to hear the end of the show. It's oh, They've turned it off. So my catalyst here is, unfortunately, it is a general improvement in the economy, but also it's a general improvement in Reno, which is going to gain faster than the general economy because they're going to get a boost from California coming back. And also there's a fair amount of convention business that comes into Reno, and it's those conventioneers um, which will be aided by the general growth in the economy, <clears throat> more so than the local population, although it's just one location. So I do think the local population um, – you know, it, it is going to be helpful here too. But now, I, are they doing anything during this three years of of, of flat, uh, flat earnings, flat everything? Are they doing anything that will, besides the upgrade of the facilities, is going to let them catapult dramatically when the economy turns around? Are they warehousing any cash? Are they doing anything? Well, they um, they they did build. And, and again, sometimes businesses are driven by things that seem pretty simple. Um, you know, if you put a little hut near a river, you might have a chance to catch some more fish than a guy who puts a hut near a freeway, for example. And so these guys are right next to the convention center with an air-conditioned walkway. They're the only casino that is attached to the convention center. Let's think of the convention center as a river of gamblers. And then, you know, do they want to walk outside? There's other casinos in Reno. But, you know, the thought is is that uh, they built an advantage that they did not used to have because they did not used to have a air-conditioned covered walkway. And so, again, that might be simple, but I do think that's going to help them a lot uh, in terms of gaining share from people that come into the casino or into the convention center. And it's a new convention center. Reno has a plan to become a bigger, more important city. So they've actually migrated their whole main downtown south toward the 
uh, airport, and this convention center was part of that, and so they're right smack in the middle of this new emerging modern downtown in Reno, and that's part of the story here, too. Let me ask you a little bit of a quick question about the way you do your research when you own a company like this. Do you actually talk with the convention center people? Do you track that in any way? Do you look at their bookings? Or do you really just focus on this one company and pick up your information about the, uh, the convention center tangentially through the management of Monarch? Uh, well, for the show, of course, bear in mind that I don't know anything that's not on the value line. So that would be my general answer. But in this case, since we do own the stock internally and I have done work on it and we have an analyst that's worked on it during the week, we do a little more work. So the Nevada Gaming Commission, and I think you can get this online. We don't pay for this. The Nevada Gaming Commission puts out all kinds of data monthly on what's happening to gambling in Nevada. And so you can see how Reno's doing relative to Vegas, how Laughlin's doing relative to Reno, and you get a lot of great data there. Uh, from the convention center, you can get information from the city of Reno because they want to draw conventioneers. So again, it's not secret information. You just have to call, and since they want to lure people to the convention center, one of the ways you lure people to things is by telling you how many other people are doing it. So they give you that data, and uh, and and so. Uh, but the thing that's a little bit of conjecture or assumption is it's hard for me to track specifically which Californians didn't come to Reno the last few years. But we can see a fall off in the business that is. Um, you know, a little greater than the fall off in the Nevada economy. And so part of the assumption is that you got a lot of people in California that used to make that drive that as gas prices went up and as unemployment went up in California, particularly in Sacramento, um, then you had a drop-off in uh, traffic into Monarch Casino. And that's anecdotal. And we have confirmed that with people in Reno at a variety of casinos, again, pretending we're thinking about doing a convention there. I mean, when you're doing research, you can't just say, hey, I'm an analyst, I'm going to buy your stock. You have to sometimes say you're a student doing some research, and then people are much more open to talking with you. And in this case, we have made a lot of calls and, um, and, and gotten a fair amount of anecdotal information, as well as these two reports from the Nevada Gaming Commission and from the city of Reno that's happy to tell you about this uh, convention center. So though, that, that we do get a little bit of data right, on that. Fair enough, moment. fair enough. So is that the end of our show? or? Well, if you ask me, I would, uh, the Royalty Trust with a 7% yield, that's a, that's a here and now thing. Bird in the hand. Yep. And uh, I don't even have to worry whether it's got 10 years. All I have to know is it's going to last me for the next year. So I might want to think if I could kick the tires and get comfortable with the fact that it has one employee and wow. uh, I could get a little comfortable with the idea that I understand exactly what it is that they do, I might want to sit on the royalty trust, yeah, harvest money with my dividend yield, yeah, and then keep a very sharp eye peeled on Monarch and when I start to see the move, jump in. Don't waste I, a bunch of time getting no yield when you could be getting the yield over there. And for, as, a, as, a, as a smaller investor, I don't have to worry about accumulating big positions. I'm a little more nimble than someone like you that has to 
you know, accumulate over a long period of time and take a big position. I can sit on the sidelines, right. say, oh, well, you know, Val's been in this for three or four years. I only have to be in yeah. it. It takes me three days to execute my trades and get in. So I might consider that, but I think it's a compelling case. Okay. Well, I would say my favorite stock I'll reveal now is Monarch Casino, and in part because the I think the Royalty Trust is a great idea for yield, and that's why I brought it up. But in order to get a double in Hugoton Royalty Trust, you need about 10 years of that yield. And you might get it, so go do some homework. <clears throat> um, on Monarch, I think if you get, uh, and here's my math on it, if you get about a 30% increase in earnings, so 1.3, and I get a 30% increase uh, in the multiple, um, then I'm going to get a 70% increase in the stock, and that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. The next couple years, their earnings are going to slowly move back toward uh, peak numbers, and as that happens, the street is going to get a little more confidence um, and begin to value this on, um, on forward earnings instead of, you know, right now, um, you know, there's a little bit of forward earnings in there, but I think the street's lost confidence because of the, uh, you know, there's really three years of terrible numbers here. So I think the monarch can double, and that's why I, that's why I go with that. So I guess that's our show. Mo, thank you very much for coming in today. I know you have a lot of other engagements that you could be involved in right now, so it's a very special treat for you to be here today. And I want to thank all the listeners for listening in. This has been the July 29th edition of the Value Line Observer. See all our caveats, all our past shows. Uh, bios, pictures that our moms took at www.thevalueguys.com. So long, everybody.